Hello and welcome to another episode of the Construction Corner Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm your host, joined by my blue collar badass, Matt. What's going on, man? Hey, Dylan, man. It's uh, it's almost the end of the week. It is bitter, bitter cold here in Michigan again. We went from being almost into springtime to now we're right back into the frozen tundra. But I think it's only supposed to last a couple days. But uh, other than that, things are good, man. Just Just been running around this week. Yeah, it's like last week finishing 75 hard and then doing it with the four by four by 48. I think every run that I did past, you know, 4 p.m. or whatever, it was like 35 degrees. So getting up at midnight and 4 a.m. <clears throat> out of a nice toasty bed to go into putting on sweats and a, you know, long sleeve to get run four miles or run walk four miles in the dark was uh, was not pleasant. But <laughs> that is some some serious commitment, my friend. I don't I don't think I could do it. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> this one was a lot easier if uh, if Lauren. So if my wife was here, she uh, went and hiked the Catalina Trans Catalina Trail last week. If she was here, getting up at four a.m. multiple nights or you know midnight four a.m. like there was there would have been hell to be had. So just uh, <laughs> Just waking the dogs up was uh, was no problem. <laughs> now, did you bring the dogs with you on all of them? Uh, they went on the first couple, but, I mean, they rile each other up. So I've got two shepherds, right, an Australian and a German, and they just – they rile each other up. So there's – and especially, like, at 4 in the morning, like, I'm just getting through, like, these runs, right, to – to then have them, I mean, they sit in like the window and wait for me to come back, but yeah. to, <laughs> to start out, you know, or to deal with them and just mentally trying to get through these, not going to happen. Well, well, congrats on finishing that up. That's a quite an accomplishment. Yeah, man. I mean, likewise for phase one, that's, that's as mentally challenging as uh, it gets for sure to do that for, for 30 days. It was, it was tough. Um, but again, like I, we mentioned with uh, with Luke last week, it it teaches you so quickly how much time you waste and, and how you, you really have an abundance of time. It's just we put ourselves in these little prisons by doing all the dumb shit we do. And it, it just it, it's a constant wasting of time. You find out real fast. Which so I was on another podcast this morning, and one of the things that I got brought up in there again in construction podcasts will be out in a couple of weeks, but is so often in construction and really just in our normal lives, we're not focused on results, right? We're focused on like being busy or some other crappy metric where you know with 75R with phase one with four by four by 48, it's like, okay, I need to do this, <laughs> this, this, and this, you do the list, right? And that's all there is to it. And so often we get caught up in, in busy work and just crummy other things that have no metrics that aren't valuable, where if we just focus on results or on getting things done, knocking stuff off a list, it's amazing what happens, right? <laughs> you get it done. You just break it down into checking boxes. It, it's really quite easy. And I was listening to uh, uh, John Paramore this morning in an interview, and he was screaming and ranting and raving in his typical fashion about how, how pissed off he gets when he hears people say, oh, I'm so busy. 
and his response when people asking him, you know, how, how are things going is I'm so effing productive. And that it's like, yes, that's awesome. I'm going to, I might start using that now myself. It's to tell the truth, right? So often we're, we're wandering generalities and not specific things. So one of the other like big things in construction that you often deal with is like, well, how's this project going? Ah, you know, and you get some BS answer, right? Like it's, it's good, bad, terrible. And it's like, especially when you, so when you good, you know, okay, fine, whatever, terrible. Well, what do you mean? Well, this one thing in this one room on this one project for one day was, you know, it went bad, but you, you know, then you look at the rest of the project, it's, it's fine, right? No problem. So the, the one thing is this guy is just stuck on this room or this guy that made him mad for 10 minutes on one day, not, you know, like the rest of the project, right? The vast majority, 99.999% is totally good. You're just stuck on 10 minutes of crap. I see that almost every day on job sites. And and honestly, it just, it gets so exhausting, right? Because the world is not always ending in construction. There's, there's nothing that ever goes 100% according to plan, right? It just doesn't happen. It's the real world. You're dealing with humans and, and things happen. But it, it is so very few and far between when it really is an end of the world type <laughs> horrible situation. But but so many people just blow it out of proportion and, and just hearing that it, it just taxes you. And I think this is, you know, for, for all you guys out there, right. For anybody leading a team or even heck, I don't care where you are on that, that job site, right. It's, or you're on that design team or whatever, be specific, ask for specifics. Well, what is bad? Well, why is that? right? You ask a couple why questions, dig down a little deeper and you're going to see like, oh, okay, well do this and it's fixed, right? <laughs> it ends up being so much easier, but you got to get past the, the level of bullshit to like, what is the real problem? Definitely. And, and it, it's easy to do. It's, or let me, let me rephrase that. It's simple to do. It's not easy. <laughs> it's real easy just to spit out ads. Ah, it sucks. Everything's horrible or, you know, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. We just got to dial in a little bit, a little bit farther. And, you know, there, there's a lot of good stuff that happens on these sites all day long that no one ever talks about. Yeah. And I mean, so to go back a little bit to our episode with Mari, you know, where she was learning and growing and that's how she's been able to get to where she is today. Right. So in that, but she had the right mindset going into it. And that's really what this comes down to is what is your mindset? Are you, are you in a positive frame of mind where like, oh, this is cool, interesting, right? I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to do different things. Or are you in a like Eeyore mood, right? Are you a ho-hum kind of person that doesn't want to do anything? <laughs> There's two things there. Mari, yeah, she has an awesome story. And just the the confidence to just go up on a roof in her case and just start asking questions and and just learn and show a, a general appreciation and a general interest in in what these other folks are doing on their day-to-day -day tasks 
it, it's so huge for you and, and you can learn so much. The other one, you brought up Eeyore. <laughs> Just as a side note, my son, my 11-year-old my was moping around the other day and, and I made that reference to him. I said, stop acting like Eeyore, man. Nothing is that bad. And he looked at me like I was 90 years old, had no clue, no clue who the mopey uh, donkey or whatever it was. <laughs> Yeah, and then I mean it's Eeyore and Tigger, right? Like, are you you jumping around and yep. you know going crazy, or are you you know just sad and mopey, right? And I mean we all know those people, but it's the easiest reference to give. And I don't, you know, there might be some other show that that has that, but I mean that's what I grew up with, right? And it's Winnie the Pooh. You just <laughs> it's a very simple reference, and most people get it for sure. But yeah, you know, kind of recapping on Mari since we, we started with her her uh, episode here. You know, the the willingness to learn and the willingness to meet people and, and to 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 know and, and learn new people too is huge. Because we I think we've touched on relationships and how important relationships are in, in our collective industry. We probably touch on it every episode. Um, but to hear her story and, and how she came here to America and, you know, she wasn't a roofer, right. But she, she fell in love with the industry for, for whatever reason it, it sparked her interest. And now she's up on roofs, taking pictures of, of geese, you know, making nests up on, on big roofs in, in downtown Chicago. And, you know, you, you learn, you grow, you, you build relationships and that's, that's where it all starts. One of the key points in there is, in building relationships, you've got to give something, right? And so often in construction, we're, we're looking for somebody to give us something first, right? We're not the first ones to the plate. And in, in building those relationships, <clears throat> if you want more good things in your life, you need to give more good things. It's a flow, right? So if you're flowing more good things to more people, more good things are going to come back. It's <clears throat> It might sound a little woo-woo, might sound a little out there, but I mean, you just see the people on your job sites, the companies that exude that positive energy. They're not looking for the next hype thing. They're not looking to ride a trend. They're just genuinely good people. And so often in construction, especially, you see that those companies, they get more work, right? <laughs> they they do good things. They, they provide um, great services. They do volunteer work. They're active in the communities. All those things, right? because construction is a very local thing, right? You know, the firms that are, are local and the firms that are doing stuff in your community, that's what you care about, right? The ones that are sponsoring basketball or giving to the community in some way, shape or form because they give, they get right. They get in the form of projects. They get in the form of relationships, referrals, but we can't be so tight. We can't be so tight knit of not giving, not contributing, not sharing the knowledge, the things that we've learned. All that's, I mean, exactly what we're doing here, right? Is to share, to give. And you guys can do that in your own way, right? Whether that's in your communities, on LinkedIn, on whatever, but is to to create those flows of of giving, of positivity, of good natured humanness, right? And and you'll be amazed on what you get back. I, I know for me, it's been tremendous in my life. Uh, just the the view that I have on on so much, 
So, I mean, Mari's seen in her life, right? It's you've seen in yours. It it works. It, it does, and it and it spreads kind of. Uh, I won't use the the term I was going to use. It spreads and it's contagious, right? The the enthusiasm is contagious, and it and it helps with retention of employees. It it helps with retention of clients and and repeat clients. You know, it's all about building that community. You know, and and that's that's where it starts is is building the community because we're all here, like you just said. It's all it's all fairly local, at least on the scale that that I work on. It's it certainly is local, um, but you know, we we run into the same folks. I compete against the same companies. I I see the same guys on jobs to jobs. Um, you know, we're all in this together to some degree. We actually started. Uh, we don't do it probably often enough at at Schaefer, but we started kind of marketing other firms' projects as a, a tactic uh, on social media. And it wasn't really a, it wasn't that weird of a thing. And it, and the one time that, I, the first time I did it rather, um, it was a cool project. You know, we had a, a competitor who by right, you know, well, I would have rather built the project myself. They were building the fire station and it was a cool project. It, it's got intrinsic value to the local community. You know, it's, it's, honoring our first responders and, and those men and women that, that put it all on the line. So we put it out there as, Hey, this is, this is a cool project. I didn't even know the, the name of the contractor at the time, or I didn't want to put it on my social media one, but, um, but we put it out there and, and it just is a small example of, of how I think we can all kind of help to build that community. Cause there's enough work to go around. There always will be, you know, the economy ebbs and flows, but construction, it finds a way to, to keep on moving regardless of if times are good or bad. So, you know, there's, there's a lot that can be done. There's a lot of, of innovation, especially that, that we can look at and, and to just help kind of keeping that close knit community and, and growing and expanding on what we can all do together. And to your point in like, especially public works projects, right. Especially in civic stuff, for fire stations, police stations, schools, you know, even hospitals to an extent, right? Like all these things are community places, right? Mm -hmm. You hope you never have to go to the police station, but <laughs> if you do, if it's nice, right? That's great. Um, you know, you want your fire stations to be nice so that your firefighters are, you know, well taken care of so they can come and deal with your house or business if that ever happens on the worst day of your life, right? Like you want them to be, take care of and same with hospitals, right? You want a good flow. So you get seen faster. If you, again, on the worst days of your life, you know, to, to go to those places, it could be the happiest, right? If you're having a kid, but, um, for, for this, like we need to, to praise, to show, to be happy for these things. Same with airports, right? Like, and your company might not even do airport work, but if you're, you're mad about like not getting an airport project, which you probably couldn't handle anyway, right? Like you be happy about the thing or admire the architecture or the craftsmanship or the build quality within those projects. And then that just, again, it perpetuates a, a good cycle forward, right? Like, oh, we could incorporate this thing on our next project, right? They did a great job here. Let's use this for design inspiration for this next thing. Or like, oh, that's a beautifully like welded or crafted thing. I wonder how they did it and have those conversations and it's to never kind of 
put down unless it's just like a terrible project, right? <laughs> like it's just horribly built or like has a lot of problems, but it's like, okay, what did they do that we can learn from to not do this? Right. What, what did they do that we can improve from, but it's always a growth and a improvement. It's an innovation process, not a like looking down upon another project. Totally. And it, it's not, it's not a lack of competition either. So I want to make that real clear here that, you know, I have that hundred to zero mentality, that mindset It's one of our core values. We'll get scrappy as hell when we need to. And there's a time and place for that. It's, it's after that. And, and when, when the dust all settles that, you know, going back to, to your main point there, that that's when we can learn, that's when we can pick up things and, and, you know, boost each other up a little bit too. You know, we, we talk a lot about making the trades cool again, about, you know, different career choices in, in our industry. And, you know, some of that old school cutthroat mentality is probably a little bit to blame with some of the mindsets folks have on, on careers in construction right these days. Dude, you're, you're reading my mind here. I, uh, I talked about this <laughs> on the other podcast I was on this morning and it's <clears throat> the, the older generation always saw people as expendable, right? That if you didn't perform, if you didn't do your work, we'll find somebody else. We'll find somebody to replace you, right? There's a ton of people coming into construction. Again, this was whatever, 20, 30 years ago. And there was always someone else to fill the pipeline. The pipeline was always bringing people into the trades. In the last 10 years, 15 years, you know, that has not been the case at all, right? So from like, let's just, my graduating class of 50, engineers, electrical engineers, I was the only one to go into like building, designing instruction kind of straight out of school, um, or at least into that side of it. Another person came in after, but that's it. Like that was the only thing out of the 50. And then a couple went into industry and you know, there's five of us, right? So 10% went into like manufacturing. <laughs> the rest went into like other stuff, right? Whether that's electronics, uh, technical sales, field engineer, whatever. Um, but into manufacturing, there was five that I could think of off the top of my head. Um, you know, and then like two that went into the AEC industry. So today, when you talk about like the old school mentality is there's not people to fill those seats. Right. And then the people that leave construction, and this goes for across the board, um, from the trades, from whatever, they're not coming back. Right the people that leave construction just are not coming back. They're not even coming back in a parallel track. They left, right? There's going to be a few that go to be like from design to like vendors or, you know, like I came to a parallel to come back and help the industry, but very few do that, right? If they leave, <laughs> they leave. And how many, like do you see in for trades, right? They were working a trades job and then left to do, they're going to do something else and whatever that something else is, I mean, they're not coming back. They're just not. So it's to have that culture to value your people, to understand like you need to treat them well. Cause if you lose somebody now, if they're not a fit, they're not a fit. We're not saying that, but for the people that want to be there, that have an interest in the trades, you know, you gotta, you gotta treat your people well so that they can, uh, you know, continue to be there and perform. Absolutely. And I mean, 
we could probably do a whole show on on hiring and and how abysmal the labor market is right now um and maybe we will on a future date but you know you nailed it if it's it's core values first for me anyways for for schaefer construction it's it's that's it if you fit our core values you can fit in our team if you don't you don't if you you know egregiously break one of them one strike you're out and and we don't think twice about it but when you find those people that that mesh and that fit those values you want to do everything you can to see them succeed and to to help them down that path of of getting where they want to go whether it's whatever their role is and, and whatever they want to get to it doesn't really matter but you know as an owner it's our job to to help and to keep that path moving for them because you're right it's horrible when you when you lose a, a good employee that sucks man and it takes a long time to recover from it and most people don't value their team members enough they're in this replacement mindset and the more that we can value you know everybody across the board the better off we're going to be and you know it's we, i mean we've talked about it in so many episodes but it's you know zach hit on it right in his team and building his team up that you know there are 20 people right 25 people that want to be great welders right and he's attracting a ton of people into a trade and doing specialty welding right <laughs> it's a very niche thing that's just he's killing it on and that's you know you can you can attract people at all all areas all avenues and then it's just to to understand that like hey this is possible you can do this you can be great at it you know no matter how small the niche right of specialty metal welding <laughs> and, and what i loved about having zach on was was his absolute fight against mediocrity like that guy probably above anyone else i've ever met to date is is leading the charge to absolutely just destroy mediocrity cut its throat throw it in the dumpster get it out of here for good and and we even had people kind of poking back on that episode on some of the comments, the live comments about just that fact. But look, the reality is if we all started acting like that and stop accepting subpar performance and subpar uh, effort, industry as a whole would be, would be much more productive. We'd all be more efficient. We'd probably be having a hell of a lot more fun on a regular basis. There, there's definitely something to it. And, and he really kind of, hit that home for me when, when we talked with him. And it's that hundred to zero mindset, right? It's the, but it's a hundred to zero against your own performance, right? It's not taking into account anyone else's it's your own. And can you run the score up against yourself <laughs> and play your game? Yeah. And you, you have to, you got to do that every day, all day long. You know, it, you should be constantly trying to push yourself. That that's just how you improve. Yeah, I mean it's it's like Brady, right? Which he's he's kind of the supreme example <laughs> these days. But you know, for a guy that's past what most people, you know, like the average in the NFL is like what four years. You know, he's in his twenty-first second year of playing. He signed for another. You know, like in that right? It's can he be better than he was last year? And it's a continued 
improvement on his march, right? He's not, yeah, he wants to win, but it's also a win against himself, right? And what he did and can he continue to improve and get better? And that's a very different mindset than to beat the competition because now you're playing their game versus can you beat what you did yesterday? Yeah, and Brady's a great example. Um, also because I went to school with him, but we don't have to go there. But he, you know, to have that mentality of, of constant, constantly pushing yourself to be better. How do, you don't get much better than that. You know, that that's that's where we all can improve, I think. Yeah, and I mean, Zach gave just such a great, you know, example of that to, to building his team again in a, in a super niche to bringing people into the industry, which is what we all want, right? We want a growth. We want to bring people into construction, show how great of an industry this is, you know, and that you can fit really anywhere, which I think Andy Zeller did a great job and, you know, letting people know that, Hey, you can come in here, right? Like I work for trades, but I do stuff on the computer. <laughs> so, and I'll like, right. That's a big, that's probably not talked about enough that, Hey, I work in a specialty subcontractor do, you know, mechanical and yet I don't bend sheet metal. Yeah. And, and he was a, he was a very good example of that. You know, we've talked about that a lot too, about the various roles and opportunities in the construction industry. It's not just, you know, a guy with pouches on banging hammers or the, the architect, you know, drawing buildings. There, there's everything you can imagine you can find in, in, in this industry. And, you know, Andy had a great point. He brought up one of the, the topics he brought up was his, his perfect BIM guy. I think he called him was like a 50 year old veteran, 50 year old, you know, tin knocker who's been doing it his whole life has been on hundreds, if not thousands of jobs and knows all the shit that goes wrong and, and knows how a good job operates. So to have that mentality, to find those guys who maybe they're done, you know, banging tin and, and, and bending um, duct, maybe now we can bring them back in and, and repurpose them for lack of a better term, put them in the office and, and see what they can do and on helping guys like Andy who are, are trying to solve problems before they start. He also had the, uh, and I'm going to butcher this. I meant to write it down, but the five, 10, 50 rule, I think something along those lines where, you know, if you, if you screw up in the beginning, it, you could, you can fix it for pretty low cost, you know, five bucks. If, uh, if it makes it to the field, it's, it's a little bit more, but then if it gets into, you know, already installed and now you're trying to fix it, it, it becomes a huge thing. So it, it just goes back to that constant, that constant leadership, that constant improvement attitude. And, and if you can get guys who have spent a good chunk of their career in the field doing it, those are great guys to, to lead you and your company forward in, in a different role. And it's to keep those guys in the workforce right at the end of the day it's to allow them to have longevity in a career and to continue to provide value you know if you meet i mean i don't know a single guy that's been in the industry for a long time that i've met who didn't want to teach right or help the next person down the line right there's they might be crusty on the outside but they want to they want to teach people how to do it right because they care and if you've made it 
30 years in construction, you know, you kind of want to pass on what you've done because your time being in the field is coming to an end, but you don't want the craftsmanship, the things that you've learned to go to waste. So bringing those guys into the office, into, you know, project management, superintendent role, but not everybody fits, you know, leadership, but they can basically still be a fabricator, still install stuff, just do it on a computer where they're not, you know, breaking their back or getting up on a lift or anything like that, but they can, they know how it's supposed to go. They know the sizes, they know spatially what needs to happen. And that becomes a great opportunity to repurpose, retrain your, your guys that still want to be a part of the company. They still want to work. They want to show up at seven, right. Or earlier. And they want to contribute. And we, as owners, as leaders within the industry, we have to find ways to help those people to continue to provide value across the entire industry. Yeah. And when you had your conversation with Nick Carrillo, uh, when my pipes were frozen and I couldn't make it, that was, that was a big topic there too, about, you know, uh, the industry advancing into more automated technology and, and things like robotics and, and, and along those lines, it's not geared to start wiping people out of these careers. You, you, you sent me a, a link last night, you know, and it was essentially the, the robot that was putting together structural wood framing or something along those lines. It, that's not going to eliminate jobs. It's going to, it's going to stir things up a bit and, and jobs are going to have to be changed and, and humans are still going to be needed, but we all have to be flexible in that role too. And, you know, sometimes it, it just makes sense to, to retrain or to, to pivot and, and flex other skills that you maybe didn't even know you had. It's really to continue to use the knowledge that people have gained in their experience and put it to work in different areas. Right. If you're a, a good framer, maybe you're now working with uh, the people that build the robots to figure out how to put them together. Right. And there's always going to be nuances and you're an uh, expert at that to help these programmers to make sure the robot does it correctly. And I mean, that's going to take a while. It's not a simple thing to do. Granted, it ultimately gets figured out. But at the same time, like, you're always going to need somebody to do like trim work, right? Or for the next, whatever, 10 years, right? You're going to need somebody to do the fine carpentry. You're going to need somebody to like install it and do QC to make sure that the robot did their job right for people that have done this for a long period of time. And it's ultimately, again, we, we have a labor problem. The only way to get out of this is through automation because you still, buildings are still getting built. You know, no matter what the news might say, we're still moving forward on like a lot of construction. So in some places like New York City, $17 billion, that's with a B, got taken out last year in construction. It's a big number. But generally in a normal year, commercial construction is $800 billion, right? $800 billion is what commercial construction in the US alone. So when you look at how big of an economy this is, how many people it takes to build 800 billion worth of stuff, logistics and warehousing and, you know, electricians, you name it. We don't have enough skilled tradesmen to get those projects done without being super over budget or super over time, purely because it's either going to cost you more to get the people you need to do it 
on time or yet your schedule extends out because you can't find the people to do it. Right? <laughs> it's a very simple equation. But in that, so you, you have now the only way to realistically meet budget and schedule, right? The two things that anybody cares about <laughs> is you've got to find tools to do that, right? Whether that's in design tools to help you go faster, whether that's in assisted robotics to help you go faster, whether that's using like spot, like Nick and I talked about for them to do job site walks, right? Where you're now your project engineer doesn't have to walk the job site. The dog goes and does it. And you can, now the project engineer can deal with actual problems, not spend three hours walking around for no good reason. Um, it's things like that to, again, focus on results, not the time it takes to do something. I still want to get one of those dogs just for the record. <laughs> I think they're like 60 grand. If you can get them, I don't know what their back order is, but. I'm not sure what I would do with it. I might just have it follow me around until I figured something out, but there, there's gotta be something out there. It, at least boost, boost job site morale. Right. When I show up with my robotic dog and. <laughs> That's the primary thing that they actually use them for, man, is, uh, is site walks. So. It has a prescribed path that it goes through every day. You got cameras mounted to it and it just does a, instead of a person going and doing like your, your cameras or you're taking pictures or whatever, it's just got a like 360 camera mounted to it. And the dog just goes and walks and does the, the site walk and captures all that stuff. Now you need like a, you know, a hundred terabyte drive to store all that stuff. But storage is cheap but that's that's all that's the primary use case for like a spot you can do it with drones too but right um you're taking people out of the knees versus hitting them in the head <laughs> speaking of drones we uh we have a great drone guy that we started using on this last project um he kind of come and you know he flies around he's got more drones than than i can even count um, but that's been the biggest problem with it is you mentioned the storage, you know, he'll go out and he'll fly for half a day or something and send me a Dropbox link. And I've got more data than I literally know even what to do with. And, you know, we use it for us. We use it more as, as marketing fodder than anything else. You know, we're not really doing inspections with it yet. We're not on that, that level of or infrastructure. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's just an, astronomical amount of data and size that, that these files are coming in across. Yeah. And I mean, we, we touched on this with James is, um, and Andy too, is we have, and we create so much data, but at the end of the day, we have to find use cases for it. And in some of this for, you know, exactly like you're talking about, it's, you have to have a plan, right? So for, for hospitals, I totally see using total stations to use, to do scans throughout the project to know where uh, all your grid is to, you know, punch a floor box through on on the project, let alone the future, to know where stuff is in the walls, to know where med gases are, to know where all the shutoff valves are, like all that stuff, especially in a hospital ceiling when you got four feet of plenum space, you know, you kind of need to know what's up there before you crack it. Um, on a future renovation and hospitals get renovated all the time. So that information is super valuable, but then you let's flip that to 
uh, like a school, right? How often are you gutting walls <laughs> in a school, right? Like you're just, you're not, you're, if anything, the renovations are paint, it's finishes, right? You're redoing the floors, you're redoing the paint color, touching up, whatever, replacing a light. So it's a one for one. There's not, you're not ever gut or tearing down a wall or very rarely do you do that. So does it make sense to do laser scanning? And most schools are single story slab on grade. You know, like, do you really need to do a laser scan and know where the rebar is in the concrete? No. You know, like all that type of stuff. Like, do you really need this on a project? Because you're never going to renovate it. And to, to understand that going into the project, but, and this, this goes to an education of owners, which we haven't necessarily gotten into. I mean, we've touched on it, but this is what it comes down to. I mean, we, we talked about it with James, like, what are you going to do with the data? And I think not enough. We, we have a standard. This is what we do. We use BIM, we laser scan stuff. We fly a drone, we whatever, and it looks cool. But in reality, or, you know, is the owner ever going to use that for maintenance or for renovations or anything else moving forward? If the answer is no, you know, maybe you relook at your deliverables for that project. It just comes down to, to custom tailoring the solution to the need, right? My, my drone guy, I won't get into specifics of what he does now, but he, the company he works for, they, they'll go into large facilities um, that are under constant renovation like that. And they'll go in, and do the scanning and mapping and all that fun stuff. But there's a definite purpose. There. There's a definite reason why, why they, they need, well, those owners need it. Um, but you got to be able to custom tailor it because it, it's so often that it just becomes the next shiny thing, you know, and, and if you don't need the shiny thing, there's no sense in wasting anybody's time. We, we started the show talking about wasting time. You know, that, that, that's a big one. And if, if you're going to spend the time and the money to, to go set up scanning or, or, or even modeling, I mean, to, to that degree, you know, we had Doug Maiden on last week or two weeks ago from Beck technology. And, you know, they have what they kind of affectionately touted as a, as a dumbed down, you know, BIM, and, and they sold it as a, or they sell it as a estimating product, a pre-con product. And it, it works pretty cool, but it's, it's custom tailored. You know, it, you're not going to have, uh, at least back when I was looking at it, and this was 10 years ago, you're not going to have outputs of, you know, 3d realistic models. Um, you, you get kind of block images and, and chunks of building and, but it did what, what it was intended to do. And, you know, it's just that that custom tailoring of, of the technology, we can all use it. You know, we, we can all use it. We can all get better from it from a small commercial construction company like like me up to, you know, a wall bridge or, or a Turner. You know, the, it's just a different level of, of what we all need. But there's solutions out there. You just have to got to be able to find them and you got to be able to to make sense of what you actually need versus what you don't. And this is my like get out the violin, pour yourself a glass of wine. This is, I mean, this is a soapbox that I will stand on for a long time. And it, it's contracts, man. It comes down to contracts. Not enough people know what's in their contracts. They're not willing to enforce them until something goes wrong. They're not like an architect's never willing to go back for the, Hey, this is a scope change. This is a, you know, 
extra design service. They're never willing to do that. And, you know, for most of us, we don't go back to the contract. You know, what do you actually need? It does this make sense for this project? Instead, it's a, here's our boilerplate thing. <laughs> Good luck. We're going to do this and hopefully nothing goes wrong. I would be lying if I said that we don't sometimes operate like that too, you know, and, and you're right. We pull contracts back out. We look at them twice, once when we write them, and then we only ever look at them again if, if shit goes south and there's a reason to then be be really digging through them. And, and that's the time when you're like, oh, man, <laughs> I wish I had better defined X, Y, and Z for for this trade or for this client or or, or anything. But I, I think that's probably a topic that we should get into uh, in, in full detail on, on a future show. Cause I, I know you're, you're pretty passionate about it and you know, there's a, there's a lot out there to touch on in that, that regard. Yeah. And again, it's just, it's making sure that everybody understands the deliverable, right? That un everyone is on the same page because you know, a con uh, project manager doesn't know what's in the contract can't enforce anything because they don't know. Um, and likewise for, for others, you know, it's, just a hard thing. And then an owner isn't always informed of what they do, right? The, the lawyers are going through it, but a lawyer doesn't know what a BIM model is compared to the next guy, right? Like it's not, not the right people having the right conversations, you know? And I think, you know, with, uh, to hear, we brought up a lot of this stuff is, you know, there's, there's ways to innovate and have those conversation. You know, it's, again, it's about our community. It's about the, the buildings we build and, and innovation is, in a lot of ways, shapes and forms, right? It doesn't have to be the newest software. Obviously that's what we build, but like, I'm not gonna be, I'll tout it, right? We can help you. But at the same time, like there's a lot of other things that you can do to improve your process, you, you know, your community, right? This is at the end of the day, y'all gotta live together. Can you, <laughs> can you maintain those relationships? Yeah, and and she said it best though too, on, on the flip side of that, that you know, you can, you can do a lot to boost efficiency and to increase efficiency, but you can also efficiently suck. And, you know, her point, I think anyways, was, you know, you have to custom tailor, you have to make sure that the, that the end result you're going for is really the product or the service or the, the offering that, that is needed because you can spin a lot of wheels and waste a lot of time going after things that just maybe don't make sense. You know, we're all up on innovation. That's that's great. We have to keep innovating, but you have to custom tailor it. You have to know who your audience is and, and what you're presenting. And, and you know, every case is going to be different. And that's just it. It's to be just specific, right? Not a wandering generality. And so often we overreact, right? This thing went wrong on this project. Now we're going to do this thing, right? Whatever it is, we're going to always require LOD 400, everything detailed to the last degree. Cause this thing got screwed up on this project this one time. Cause you know, whatever happened. So then you overreact to the problem. So now you create a situation where you're doing a bunch of extra work that probably isn't needed because something went wrong one time. And that's, it's, never re it's never reimagined or relooked at right so there's there's a story of uh guy goes you know marries in his family 
And his wife always cuts the ends off the ham. And he's just like, why, why do we do this? And she's like, I don't know. My, my mom did it. Okay. Well, <laughs> she'll be here for, for Christmas. Uh, let's, let's ask her, ask, you know, the mom. Oh, you know, I did it because my mom did it. Well, all right. Well, grandma's going to be here in a few minutes, you know, here for dinner for Christmas. We'll, we'll ask her when she gets here. All right, grandma, why do you, why did you cut the ends off the ham? Well, cause great grandma did it. You know, that's, it's just the way it always has been. So the, you know, husband's like, what the heck are, I gotta know. I gotta know why we cut the ends off the damn ham. So then he goes down to the nursing home where great grandma is and ask her, you know, it takes a little while to figure out what he's asking. He's, she was like, well, the ovens weren't big enough. So we had to cut the ends off the ham to get it to fit in the oven. <laughs> so for 40 years, they've been wasting all this ham for something that, you know, is now no longer a problem. And that happens all the time. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's kind of like a, a reverse mentorship, right? You know, we, we, we talked with Luke Marcotte a lot about the importance of having mentors and, and passing down the good industry knowledge and the good uh, successes that you want to carry on. But, but you gotta always ask the question, you know, why, why, why are we cutting the ends off the ham? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Just cause. But I mean, how often do you hear that answer? Constantly. It's just the way we've always done it. That it's 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 the anti-innovation, the anti hundred to zero mindset. It's it's everything. Frankly, I hate about our industry is that well, that's just how we've always done it. I struggle with this. I fight this every day, and it's it's it has permeated every facet. I think of of probably of most industries, but certainly of construction. It's just so easy to 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 use that as your your crutch. The the thing that I really want to do for those guys, especially like so, an easy trade would be like a, a carpenter, right? All right, I'm going to take your pneumatic nail gun. Here's a hammer. That's how they always did it. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved, right? <laughs> Learn real fast. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Stop cutting That's the ham. That's the point, right? It, it doesn't make any sense. And, and this is the thing to reevaluate, you know, on, on projects or quarterly, you know, we just, we finished Q1 21, right? Like we, we keep moving forward, whether we like it or not, right? The days keep counting down. So, you know, you got to reassess, take, take a few hours, take a Friday afternoon, once a quarter, once a month, whatever to, to reevaluate, you know, are these things that we're doing correct? You don't have to go through the whole list, but pick a few. Are these right? Yeah. Are they moving us in the right direction? Are they pushing us towards our overall definite purpose, our end goal? And if they're not, cut them off, change it. I mean, that's, it's kind of like the overarching theme of, of the show we do, right? Is that, there's so much that can be changed for the better. There's, there's a lot of good that needs to stay. Don't get me wrong. But if we all are really honest with ourselves and, and we're honest with our goals and we're honest with our, our businesses and, and our, our clients and trade partners and, and designers and everyone, there's a lot that can be fixed. 
And if we start fixing these problems that we talk about constantly, then the industry as a whole is fixed or it's getting closer to being fixed. And the more we can do to, to push that boundary, the better off we're all going to be in the future. And it's tackling one specific problem at a time. It's not, again, it's not a wandering generality of like the industry's broken, right? It's okay. Labor is hard to find. Okay. What's the problem in attracting labor? Oh, we don't have any core values or stand for anything, or we don't, you know, market <laughs> construction as a good industry to get into all the way, you know, to the little league game that we go to or the AAU basketball, you know, that we're involved in, right? We don't talk up construction as an industry for people to, to come into. Okay. Like let's start there. <laughs> let's implement core values. Let's talk up the industry that we're in. Let's, you know, Hey, this basketball gym was built by you know your uncle or bob or me whatever that is right and to talk that type of stuff up but it's okay we have a labor problem how do we solve it granted it's not gonna get solved overnight but if you don't start talking about it today you're gonna it's gonna be worse in five years so it's to you know get that kid that's on the cusp of making a decision of what they do you know, at 18 for the rest of their life or a path that they start down. And, you know, you can have a conversation and they can go left or right, you know, and those are the conversations that we need to have. It's not, it's not an overnight fix, but it will help in the long run. Right. And then that, that person's in there for 10, 15 years, has another conversation, you know, just like Luke had right with a guy that was a plumber and <laughs> he wanted to live life like that guy same thing that everyone of you needs to be having that conversation with somebody. And then you need to make, if, if you're an owner, if you're a manager, you need to make the experience of your people, which comes to core values good. So they want to talk about it. So they want people to come into the industry. So we don't have a labor problem in 10 years. Couldn't have said it better, man. Get specific and start having conversations <laughs> and stop the generality. Stop. You know what kills me? The worst answer when I ask somebody how they're doing, first of all, I don't ask that all the time. And when I do, I, I actually give a shit. I want an answer. But the guy that every single time says, live in the dream, just live in the dream. It, it makes my skin crawl. And you know, he's half lying, right? So it's, I've gotten to where, depending on the day I've had, right? It's, it's going good and getting better, right? or it's been a crappy day, but we're getting through it, right? Is to be honest, to be real. And if it is like today, it's sunny and 70 degrees. I'm living in paradise, man. <laughs> you know, like there is, there's a point to some of that where, Hey, living the dream, we're getting through a few things, but it's also, you got to sell that to yourself. Right? So there's, there's exactly that guy where he doesn't have anything good to do and it's total sarcasm. And then there's the people that are like, no, I really am living the dream and life is good. I can't ask for anything more, right? It's going great. But those people have a very different like attitude towards it. It's the sarcastic ones that you completely hate. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> but it, it comes, so I, I finished a good book uh, and we'll kind of wrap it up here, but uh, it's called um, 
Game of Work by Kunrant. So in the Game of Work, they talk about he he makes a ton of sports analogies. So in in business, what score are you keeping? Right? What's the score? We like to do that in terms of revenue, but should you really do it in terms of profit? In construction, should it be the amount of square foot that you do in a given year, right? Not project size, because cost is relative, right? Square footage is constant. So within a lot of this stuff, and when you get specific, score is specific, right? <laughs> like keeping score in basketball, 50 points is a low scoring game. 50 points in a soccer game, that's a lot, right? Like <laughs> score is is relative to the game that you're playing. And we all have to, if you shoot 50 in golf, you're a miracle, you know, like that's crazy. So score is always relative to the game you're playing, but how do you keep score is something that each firm needs to determine for themselves so that you can get specific and then have a real conversation around that metric, that score. And then it's a, specific thing. Hey, we didn't produce X amount of square feet today or linear feet, or, you know, we didn't design, we didn't get X percent complete on these projects today. Yeah. Um, another good book that touches on that a lot is traction, uh, by Gina Wickman, the whole EOS uh, mentality. They're, they're real big on, on scorecards and, and scoring, um, you know, multiple facets of yourself and your business. And it, it, it goes along, I think, with our what we've been talking about, about just getting specific and having the difficult conversations. You know, it, it's not an easy conversation to, to have all the time when you say, all right, well, we didn't meet our quarterly goals. You know, here it is April 1st and, you know, Q1 is done. We didn't meet it. Why? Let's sit down. Let's rip the damn Band-Aids off and let it bleed a little bit. And And that's that's how we fix problems. That's how we grow. That's how we move forward. Uh, it's easier said than done for some, but I think it's necessary. Totally, man. It's the more specific you can be, the more problems you can solve. And again, one at a time, this is, you're not trying to, to fix everything in a day, right? You're trying to go one step at a time, one improvement. And I mean, ultimately that's innovation, right? That's, that's how you get better. That's how you improve is one day at a time, one step at a time, one specific problem at a time. Um, and the more you can do that, I think the faster you're going to grow, get better and just have a better life, right? At the end of the day, that's what we all want. It's a better life, live happier, healthier. And when you solve specific problems, you know that it's specifically taken care of. <laughs> Absolutely. With that, man, any, uh, any final words for this kind of wrap up episode? You know, uh, I'm going to say thank you, Dylan, uh, for bringing me on board to this, this wonderful podcast. It's been, uh, it's crazy that we've been through a whole quarter doing it now. Um, I'm looking forward to, to Q2 and beyond and, uh, you know, anybody out there listening, give us a share, give us a, a rating. We need to start, uh, pushing this around a little more and, and anything you guys can do to help, uh, that that's our fee. We, we're not charging you uh, money to listen. We're not running ads. Just uh, help us spread the word, help us spread the the podcast around. And, and if you have any ideas for topics, you can reach out to 
either one of us pretty easily. Absolutely, guys. I mean, at the end of the day, Matt and I both want to help the industry, right? So if you're in construction, if you're looking to get anybody into construction, I think our, you know, we do a really good job for sure at the beginning of the, the industry, right? And getting people in, but also for, for those of you guys that have been in the industry for a while to touch on specific problems uh, that we have in construction and provide solutions for it. You know, it's up to you guys whether you want to take action or not to whether you actually want to fix these. But we're here to, to help have that conversation to, you know, and again, and you can submit topics. We'll we'll talk about them and then you can just share the episode to your your boss or whatever. And, and we'll have the hard conversation that uh, you might not want to have. So we'll do it for you. So just share this around. And uh, again, we're, we're here to help. We're here to, you know, make construction a, an industry that people want to come into um, and really to to talk up <laughs> the lovely industry that is, is construction. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to right. doing more. For sure. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're on. It's, uh, it's good having a co-host to <laughs> bounce things off of. And again, you know, to bring another perspective to the industry, not just mine, um, to bring another side of it and, you know, to, to show everybody that design and construction can work together. All right, guys, that's the show. Give us a share, and uh, we'll see you here next week.